Good evening and welcome to the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. It's been a minute, it feels like. Um, excited to be back with everybody tonight. Uh, excited to be back with my teammates here on the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. Um, got an update for you on the SA Gunners. We're not at the top of the table. Uh, Rafa's trying to get us in shape still for our uh, Thursday night team, but we're uh, having some fun and it's it's pretty competitive out there at mainland harry i know you've been busy as well with some things that have been going on with family members and and all that how are you doing tonight doing well man just trying to make sure everybody's on where they should be but yeah no it's been good uh sorry about missing a lot of that's been on me i had some family issues that uh, unfortunately popped up but uh, everything's back uh better now uh well semi better at least where we can do the shows and stuff so uh, I think, you know, thanks for all the good thoughts and, and prep here. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad to get back. Uh, sorry that, you know, we're not talking about SAFC in the USL championship game like they were supposed to have been, but uh, we'll get to that discussion uh, down the road. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get to that topic and, and just the season and kind of what we've missed here the last few weeks. Uh, Danielle, I know you've been busy with, with school and, and UTSA and, and everything. How, how's your life going these days? Fast and furious. Um, it's nonstop. Um, just work and wrapping and life. And now like that we can kind of go out and see friends, but in a safe and socially distant way with our masks. Um, and then even though things have been quiet here, Steve Arters and I were working on a lot of Copa Tejas stuff. So a lot of behind the scenes things with, um, the Copa 11. So we announced the, the fan favorites, um, from all four markets. And, um, we had a nice turnout for that and, and had a good covering from the different regions. Sorry, RGV. Um, not sorry. They don't have any fans. Like somebody has to <laughs> And, and the season was a little rough. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Maybe they weren't qualified. So yeah. tell me, Danielle, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but yeah, that I saw that the, the first Copa Tejas kind of 11, and before we get to Rafa, he can wait. Um, what was it like kind of coming up with that poll, and, and what was that process? How did you guys kind of select your nominations? Like, I know that was probably a lot of work just coming up with that poll. So – you know, Steve and I, the way we work is really a collaborative process. So we always bounce ideas off each other. Um, we were actually, we had a meeting today and just kind of talked about the future. But um, usually it involves one of us texting the other with, hey, I saw this. This was really cool. Or what do you think about this? And Steve goes, hey, something for us to think about in the future for 2021. You know, we really should do kind of a fan poll of, of the best. And I go, uh, what's going on right now? <laughs> um and so we really just thought, you know, I think we kind of summed it up. 2020 sucked. And we wanted to just bring, you know, a little smile, something for people to, you know, have a little bit of ownership over when things are out of control and crazy. And so we just wanted the fans to have a little fun. And really it was about the fans. And so we put um, rosters from each market. We didn't do any of the selection. It was all done by um, – the fans, the supporters, we put it out on social media, and so everyone voted for it. Um, players, it was really cool. I saw all the academy kids because all of a sudden, all of the SAFC academy players on the senior team they started getting numbers, and I'm like, oh, all the <laughs> academy kids are voting because it was like Leo Torres, Jose, Fabrizio. They all had like five and six votes, 
Um, I just love that. I love that aspect of community, people coming out to um, vote for their players and have ownership because Copa Teos is all about the supporters and the community um, coming together. And it was really cool too, because there was a lot of um, voting where, I mean, Billy Forbes, you could tell, you know, people from other teams voted for Billy. You know, I'm sure there was a lot of San Antonio FC players who remember him and we've played him four times. So we got to see him up close and personal. Um, but there was a lot of cross voting for different things. So it wasn't just a straight everyone voting for their own teams and their own fans, as you could tell. Um, and I really think if Tyberson was healthy um, from RGV and if he had played more mm-hmm. games, um, I really think he probably would have gotten some votes because I was ready to vote for him. Um, and so, um, yeah, so it was no, really that's, that's awesome. and it was exciting. Um, and we've got um, the awards coming out. So stay tuned this week and next week for um, the awards that we're going to give. No, that, that's awesome. I thought that was so cool you guys did that. And Rafa, again, you're going to have to wait because we have another guest that it's we're going to add to the show. <laughs> uh, Lance, I think you're on mute, buddy, if you can take yourself off mute. But really excited to have one of my favorite players from San Antonio FC, maybe outside Sebastian Ibiaga. Yes, I got to put you to number two for Sebastian. <laughs> but uh, really excited to have you on, man, for my last show. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you guys? Doing good, doing good. So tell us, before we get into too much like of your story, which I just want to dive into because I, I think it's really interesting, and we'll get to an intro with Rafa here in a second, but uh, what are you up to these days, man? We were just talking about that before the show, so w- what's going on with you now? Retired, man. Enjoying family. I'm coaching. Nice, nice. So you're involved with like a, a youth team? Like what age group? Um, varies between 09s and, um, under 18s, U18s. Okay. So geographically, where, where are you? Just out of curiosity, man. I'm in here. I'm in San Antonio, man. Well, see, Rafa, you need to, you need to reach out to Lance, man. He's right here in San Antonio. I thought you were like back in Cincinnati or something. No, man. man. Me and Lance and Coach. Cause I'm a free agent, so I need to coach the club. <laughs> we got to start our own club team. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. We need to get on that. But yeah, man, the weather is nice. I had to stop. I had to set up shop here, man. I love, I love the weather and the, the people. They're cool, so I think this is the best spot for me. Out of everywhere I've played, I, I, I had to stop here. I love to hear that, man. Like I say, I'm sad to be leaving, you know, this being my last show and everything. I, San Antonio has been a, a great community, but just to dive into your history a little bit, man, because I'd love to, to hear your story. Uh, you know, you grew up in Trelawney Parish there in Jamaica playing soccer. Uh, you signed your first professional contract with Harborview, from my understanding, in 2007, and you guys won the Jamaica National Premier League your first season playing with them. What was that like to be, you know, finally playing professional soccer? What was it like playing the Jamaica National Premier League? I mean, it's a, it's a fast league, high tempo, pretty, it's pretty physical. And um, I mean, for me to get that opportunity to represent Arborview was great, man. Um, that was the, the best team in the country at the time. 
And um, me, my, my story, the way I get in, man, it's just, it's just hard work, man. Because I, where I'm from, I'm from the countryside. That means when you go into those uh, big cities, you got to prove yourself. And man, I run a lot. Let's say that. <laughs> I outrun a lot of guys to get in that spot. You know, like uh, my spot was pretty um, competitive because we had a lot of guys that represented the national team. And I got the better of them just because of um, work ethics. I mean, they, I mean, they were more talented. Than, there were a lot of guys, I can tell you, that were better than me, a lot. But what they never had was work. I, I outrun. I outwork a lot of guys to be in the spot that I'm in. Um, or, or was in since I'm retired. So, um, yeah, man, it's it's all good now. Um, I'm enjoying my time, man. These <laughs> I days. can tell. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying my family, man. It's good. I can tell. Well, one, one thing I heard that kind of always stuck with me was uh, hard work beats talent when talent refuses to work hard. Right. So to your point, man, um, that, that's great to hear that it was all about hard work and, you know, playing for Harborview. You won the championship again in 2010, which I'm sure was another great moment in your career. And then from there, that's when you got your first chance kind of in America, right, with Fort Lauderdale uh, in 2011. Yeah. yeah. What, what was that transition like coming and playing from an international squad? to America and then, you know, with your family, with that move, like, how did that all work? I mean, I, I left, I left my uh, family very early because um, I, I was, I was, I only had one intention to pursue soccer and um, I left them pretty early. So they didn't mind much. They knew I, I'm a man, I could take care of myself, <laughs> but um yeah, I got the chance with uh, Fort Lauderdale through uh, Darrell Shore. And, um, man, it, it was a hard transition at first. The, the game was uh, kind of faster in terms of um, the ball coming onto you because on our, our turf back home, the ball doesn't move that fast because it's not as, you know, pretty as you guys have it over here. You know, you have grounds guy constantly doing your stuff. That, it's not like that back home, you know? So. <laughs> sure. When I got here, the the ball was moving pretty fast, man, and um, that that was the the biggest thing to me. Like the ball came in quicker. The field was wet, you know, so the ball came in quicker. So that first touch, I had to develop that that uh, that skill to, to hey, Lansing, give me a chance. <laughs> I have to develop good, man. and to actually get things um, get things cooking because um, because of that, I didn't start my first season in Fort Lauderdale because I wasn't ready. I had everything else, but um, the play was kind of quick. The play was very, very quick. And then, I mean, I got used to it after like a month. I was able to get up to speed with all, all, all fast the ball moves. And from then, again, work. <laughs> Nobody wanted to play against me, man, because they know it's nonstop running for 90 minutes. <laughs> Yeah. So, so from there, you kind of played for a couple different teams. One of them that just stood out to me was Minnesota United because uh, one of my childhood 
teammates played for Minnesota United at the same time, I believe. Uh, Jamie Watson with oh, yeah. you up there. And so to have somebody from my hometown and somebody you know from Trulani Parish, Jamaica, playing soccer together, man, that's pretty cool that we're able to have this conversation. What was it like playing with Jamie? Tell me the dirt, man. So funny, man. I mean, it was, it was uh, that here. It was. That that here in Minnesota, it was. It was a crazy year because they were transitioning to the MLS. Right. So it was, it's a different feel when you uh, have to have transition into the MLS. It's like, it's not just about having fun anymore. Everyone is, it's so intense because you want to make that transition. And that mess up a lot of team chemistry. A lot of things get messed up. Um, based on my experience, I did it twice. Yes, with Cincinnati. Exactly. I did it twice. And the, the experience really... <laughs> based on the experience, you'll have more fun off the field, I think, with guys than actually the product on the field. But pertaining to Jamie Watson, he was cool. He was a funny guy. I enjoyed his, his time. He was always the first one to crack a joke. Always. <laughs> always. <laughs> he was constant. And... Um, yeah, I mean, he was a cool guy. I miss him. I miss him a lot. Yeah, because he's the one that always make everybody laugh nonstop, nonstop. That, that's awesome, man. And you bring up a great point. I think we as fans, you know, especially for like San Antonio FC, when we were really trying to get MLS here in our city, you don't realize that these athletes that you care about and everything – realistically, not everyone's going to make that transition. There's maybe going to be two or three. So it puts a lot of pressure in that locker room. So I can only imagine what you guys were going through in those two different seasons with Minnesota and both FC Cincinnati. Did that kind of lead a little bit to you wanting to come down on loan to San Antonio FC? Or did that play any part? Yeah, I mean, it's just mentally you have to be tough. You know, because it's it's a lot of guys and fine for a spot. And you're not talking about just any guy. You're talking about 24 players, 24 quality players trying to get in. And if you're not in from the jump, if that one guy that's playing over you is having a good season, that's it. That's it for your spot. The coach is going to stick with this one guy in every position, once they're playing up to par, you're not gonna get in. So in my case, um, I got injured in Cincinnati. I mean, I started the season well for them, um, but it could have it could have gone better. I think if, if I didn't get injured, I think I would have still been in with a shot to actually um, prove myself. Um, but I got injured and I think it was for the best because as I said, a lot of things mentally you have, you have to be strong to be in teams like that that are transitioning to the MLS. And for me, a lot of guys that 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 went to the MLS um, via trans uh, expansion team, mm-hmm. they exposed it in many ways because they go but they don't play a lot, and the team is new and it's always like most times it's a disaster for the expansion club as in for result-wise, because it's new, and the new guys that go up with the team, they don't play a lot. 
and then you find they get cut. And it's not like I don't think they can't play. It's just that it's a transition to MLS. And from there, it's, it's a lot of panic. It's a lot of panic. Coaches want the best result. They're not going to take chance on, on guys that are just going up to play in the MLS and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's a blessing in many ways that I've, I, 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 I got along to San Antonio FC. This is, this is my spot. I, I love it here a lot. Well, let's talk about that because you talk about transitioning and having to be mentally tough. When you came to San Antonio FC, we had lost to Seattle three to two, lost to Portland two to one, just yeah. lost to Phoenix four to zero. So you come to a team and you're playing the Swope Park Rangers. And I believe that was your first match that you were subbed into. You didn't start, but you came in in the 56th minute. What was that like kind of just playing that first match with San Antonio FC? There was a little bit of weight on your shoulders, I feel like, at that point, because our season was kind of looking mediocre. I mean, yeah, I wanted to to prove a point. And San Antonio is new to me. The only thing um, I would say is the I'm not wearing the red jersey. I was not wearing the red jersey because I, I'm used to playing here. You know, I've played here a lot especially uh, the Scorpion days, you know? So, I mean, it's just, I wanted, I, I think personally I wanted to be in San Antonio for, for a long time because this was the best place I've played in terms of uh, the facility and because there wasn't a lot of great facilities, you know, and playing NASL, when you come to <laughs> you want to play because the surface is good and the fans always show up you know, to make a lot of noise. So I, I wanted that. So um, that, that first game was, it was good. I knew, I personally knew that we, we weren't far off when I joined San Antonio that year um, because I was watching the games. I was talking to Coach Powell and um, I, 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 I saw that we weren't far off in terms of getting some results. It's just little things, you know, putting the ball in the back of the net or, Supplying the, the center forward with the opportunity to score, which is um, Ever Guzman. Manning linked up very well, as you guys uh, saw. Um, yeah, I mean, it was great. It was personally great. I, I, I have uh, made the playoff, but we did. But, um, <laughs> Just missed. Well, and so let's talk about that, though. You wanted to make a change. You felt like we were just maybe a little off. And, you know, in my opinion, you were that little off that we were because the next three games after Swope, you scored in each of those matches. And we won each of those next three games after that Swope Park match, including Phoenix, who had just beat us four to zero. We came back and beat them three to two. And you had a goal in that game as well. So, Tell us a little bit about that excitement, man. What was that passion like? I just felt like you were that piece in the locker room that just kind of got everybody excited again. Um, I got comfortable real quick because I knew guys, you know, I knew uh, Darnell King, you know, Cyprian, Hendrick. Um, I, I I was familiar with quite a few other guys, so it didn't take long to, to settle, and that, that was the main thing. From the get-go, I was smiling with everybody. It wasn't any, um, you know, bad face or anything. I, I was I was always smiling, which was, was good. I was I felt pretty at home from the get-go. So, 
um, that that makes your your life much easier when you join a new team and from the get go you have guys that you're 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 familiar with you know it's easy to gel with and um, I wanted to prove a point to them also you know because that's one of the reasons I I, I told um, Coach Powell that I want to prove a point to my coaches in Cincinnati that they made a mistake and chip on your shoulder huh. That yeah, chip I, on your shoulder, right? Yeah, I think I did. Based on, based on what I've done in, in a short period of time with those goals and assists, in a short period of time, I think I did. Because my teammates back over there, they could not believe. They were in constant contact. Yo, what's going on with you? What's going on? You know, like, they were impressed. And um, they were saying stuff, you know, like, wow, I, they cannot believe that the club actually let me go. But, you know, it's part of the game. It's part of the game. So just to talk about that, you talked about how familiar you were with some of the players. Uh, Omar Gordon obviously oh, played for Montego yeah. Bay. And I, knew, I see I'm going to call you out. You forgot that one. Yeah. So tell me, did, did you and Omar ever come across each other when you were playing there in the Jamaican National Premier League, or was he just maybe he's a couple young, years behind your transition? He's young, yeah. He's, he's, couple, he's, a, he's a couple years um, younger than me. And I think when he started, I left for a okay. striker. Yes. Okay. So when you guys were in the same locker room, though, was there a little bit of rivalry just between because he won the league in 14 and 16 from what I was able to find out, at least uh, Montego Bay did. Um, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, they did. I, that's the team. I used to play for that team, you know. Okay. Uh, Montego Bay United, yeah. I left um, Arborview. And that I went and played for that team because that's where I'm from. So gotcha. I, played, I played for that team. Yeah. People thought I was crazy and I did that. Like, what what are you doing going to uh, Montego Bay? It's just that. <laughs> and the name of the Right? But I go it wasn't a dumb choice. I don't want I don't want to go back to those days. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's okay. I just wasn't sure if there was any like uh you know blood in the water between you guys in the locker room, no, no, you no, know, no. all, all in good fun, or if it was just if Omar was another one that you were able to just relate to right away. Yeah, I, of course. Um Omar is cool. Um the the, the thing is why you won, yeah, they got new owners when I left and he spent a bunch of money. When I was there, they weren't spending any money, and we were fighting to stay, stay up every year. We were always finishing above the relegation, just above. Like, we were like, uh, what, we got 14 teams. We would finish, like, um, 11. So two teams get relegated or three. So um, they spend a lot of money, and they invest in youth, and um, that's how they won the, the Premier League. That's awesome. And that's, that's just kind of like, you know, Jamie's story with those Adidas contracts that they signed right around the time that, you know, MLS was coming out and everything. And sometimes yeah. the timing's just right a few years later. But, yeah. you know, you guys paved the way, I'm sure, for those other athletes to be able to, you know, get those financial gains. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, I know Harry and Rafa had a couple questions as well. So I just, I, I love your story, man. And, and like I say, I've always loved you as an athlete. I'm happy to hear you're still here in San Antonio. I wasn't sure, man. And we're going to have to grab lunch or something like that before uh, I head out. I'm here, man. I'm here. And, 
I'll bring Rafa if you need an assistant coach, man, because I, I know he's looking for something to do. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Go ahead, Rafa. Um, as far as your uh, looking back on your tenure with SAFC, you know, after man retiring out, how do you how do you see everything? You know, being with the SAFC, you know, look, just looking back, you know, what what could he have changed, or you know, what do you think as far as soccer as a whole here in San Antonio with with, with the club? Soccer is uh, well, first of all, my time in San Antonio was was um. Let's say that. I mean, uh, I great teams in 2019, but soccer is crazy. Um, I wanted to to just continue on where I left off. Mm -hmm. I, I good going in 2020, and um, I think great stuff. First night against Phoenix, that was one of the best game I've played like in America. An insane game. That first night. Three, three. Mm -hmm. That was a very great game of soccer, and um, I enjoyed that game. First, lost, you know, and I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. Antonio, and I wish you could have done it in 2019, but that's mm -hmm. all. That's all soccer. Yeah, because looking back at the, you know, like you said, you're, you had a red hot start coming in. And we're like, okay, like 2019, we're like high hopes. It's like, all right, we got Lance on the team. We're gonna, we're gonna be kicking some. We're gonna kick Phoenix's butt this year, and and this and that, and and then all of a sudden, we're like, where'd he go? What happened here? <laughs> I was like, hey, we got a great player here. Where is he? Where is he? Did, did something happen with the chemistry of the team? How do you feel the 2019 could have done? I just you know, on your on your honest opinion on it. I just don't know how to explain 2019. It's it's crazy how we didn't make the playoff. That's one of the best team I've mm -hmm. ever been a part of. Apart from, um, I think Cincinnati would be the best team I've ever mm -hmm. been a part of because they have like no weaknesses from top to bottom. They just got everybody possible out of the NASL. That was, you know, like best 11. Best, you know, they took the best players out of the NASL. Um, FC Cincinnati did. So, um, that squad and and uh, San Antonio were very, very good teams. And uh, I don't know if we didn't make a pick because that we had everything possible. Like everything was set up for us to um, to succeed. But for some reason, we just we just didn't make the playoffs. It was right there up until the very last game. I mean, we're. So that was that was the 2018 season, and I'm right there with you. And just to go both seasons, both seasons, but but 2019, you left the club, you know, kind of midway through, and that's kind of when they brought in Billy Forbes and moved you back to a defender. Which I know when you were playing at Edmonton, you had moved from defender to midfielder and had a lot of success. When San Antonio FC moved you back from midfielder to defender. Did that kind of affect your campaign there in the 2019 season? If I remember correctly, there was a little bit of injuries, but without getting into too much that's detail. Where got, that's where I got, I got injured playing in that position. And, uh, okay. Uh, personally, I, I didn't want it to, to – this was a problem. Um, I didn't want to play in that position. I mean, I, I respect uh, every move that 
the coaches as as Meg, and um, but I never wanted to play that spot because you know um, what what I can do going forward, and um, me personally, me and Billy for be on the same team unless we're gonna be rotating in the same spot. Right. That's, that's my personal opinion. So um, when when Billy Farr came in, now they, I, I didn't know what to do because I know there was going to be conflicts. It's just like every other, this is the situations in like, that's what I'm talking about, like uh, Cincinnati, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Three strong guys for mm-hmm. every position, which can cause conflict because guys are used to playing a lot of minutes. And when that stops happening, then that becomes a problem for coaches because mm-hmm. there, there is no way to like, um, what do you say to players like, um, why, why are you not playing this? You just have too much players for one spot. And mm-hmm. uh, the agreement that I've made with the club um, at my exit meeting, um, I, I, I said, I told him like, if you want me to be successful, don't sign me and play me out of position. I said it clearly. I told them, like, don't sign me, please. I beg them, don't sign me if you're going to use me out of position. I've, I've failed a lot of times playing out of position. You know, I mean, I, I, I know I, um, I used to play in that spot, but my success playing in, in uh, midfield, I didn't want it to, to compromise that, like, go back. You saw what I did, like, 2018 at the end. Um, do not mess with that, you know? So... I, I was disappointed that that, that happened, like, uh, you d- because I didn't want it to, to, if I knew, like, if they had signed Billy Farb first. Earlier in the season. And, and I didn't sign yet, I wouldn't have signed. Because and I that, that was just always kind of, you know, a hypothesis or whatever. It was like, you know, our question on the show was once they re-signed Billy, it was like, okay, yeah. well, that's Lance's Billy, thought, yeah, so Billy where Farb's does he go, top, you know? Billy Farb's a top, top player. Yeah, 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 you wouldn't yeah. want to sign Billy Farrell and and have him on the bench, right? Yeah. Or if he came in off the bench or something for thirty minutes at the end of the game, that's kind of what we were predicting. And then when they moved you back to defender, I just I, I know you kind of had a history playing defender there at Edmonton, but it seems like midfield was a more natural role for yeah, you. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I I hundred percent. I. I I didn't approve that. I did. I just did just not. curious, man. Like I say, we don't have to get too deep into it, but just wanted to make sure I wasn't too far off base with that. Now I was always sad about that because to me that was that was a bonehead move by Powell. To be honest, because you know you earned your spot, and and like I say, you're gonna sign Billy Ford's fine, but yeah. as a back come in as a front off the bench, is said if you if you have that tactics, I understand that, but. I think he ruined the chemistry that you had up front, you know, because you're 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 on it. Well, if you look at how it worked out, I mean, he ended up with three goals that season and didn't even last the whole year, you know, before yeah. he kicked off the team. So it's like we could have Lance Lang or we could have three goal Billy Forbes, you know, in hindsight. Now. No, no, no. I'm not, I love Billy. Don't get me wrong. But. No, no, no. Billy Forbes just unfortunate because he wasn't starting games either. You know, um, we at one point. The entire season, we were asking ourselves what's going on because he wasn't starting either. But sure. He was on the bench. Um, we, we would get 10 minutes there or 10 minutes there, you know. So we, we didn't understand what's going on. A lot of guys that thought, oh, you should be playing just wasn't playing. But 
at the end of the day, this is soccer, you know, and, I've, and I personally, I've learned a lot um, throughout my playing career. I have learned. I, I have another question here. I'm just going to put you on the spot. Do, do you think uh, SAFC made the right change putting Marcina as a head coach? Was he the right fit for this year? I mean, based on what he has done in a short period of time, I mean, you cannot, you can't, you can't question that. Um, he, he did his job. I mean, he got the team into the playoffs. Um, he brought in his players. Obviously, that wasn't a conflict. So it made it easy for him, you know. Um, when he got his players, I mean, last year he was the assistant, and that wasn't his team. It was obvious that it wasn't Marcina's team, but he had. He had a lot um, of influence in the team, mm -hmm. but he was just isn't. It wasn't his player, so what he wanted to get across just didn't happen. And um, because of that, I, I think personally that's one of the reasons why we didn't make the playoffs. If he had his players, for sure, we no. would have had the playoffs. But the players last year that was Marcina's team. This year's team was his team, as you can see, because no. they. The playoffs, even though they played RG RGV like five times, beat them up. <laughs> <laughs> beat them up. That's a yeah, promo man. right there, man. Yeah, beat them up, man. So he got them in the playoffs, which is which is good. That's his. That that was the main goal. They haven't made the playoffs in a while, even though it was a short season. But it, if I mean, if he gets his 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 players. I mean, he, he can make things happen because he's, he's very demanding. And um, I, I'm looking forward to see how, how 2021 goes. That's awesome. I don't want to keep you too much longer, Lance, because I know you got the family around. So, Harry, I'm going to give you one last question. Rafa, you're cut off, man. Let, let this man get back to his evening. Yeah, so my question is probably hopefully a little bit more of a softballish uh, question here for you. But uh, when you came into the league with uh, NASL and then how USL's kind of exploded, You've seen a lot of Jamaica and other Caribbean, you know, uh, players that have came into USL. Um, how has that helped, you know, you know, the Jamaican national team and, and the other Caribbean teams as far as the influence of NASL and USL? How has that helped exploded the, you know, the game down in the Caribbean? Oh yeah, I, I think I think it, it did a lot. Guys are even going to the Canadian Premier League right now. I mean, mm -hmm. every opportunity that that. Um, guys from back home can get to play overseas i mean they'll grab it and um it it's also helping the 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 premier league because as much as we always um i mean for example when i was back home i always wanted to i always say um why are we not getting called to the national team you know and um there's a reason for that because the moment you, you step up a level you see why because the fields as I said, going back to the field, the plane isn't that fast. The ball bounces a lot, and then you transition overseas. You get to feel that 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 uh, that that comfort of playing in a in a quality environment where the, the the tempo or everything is higher, everything is better. You know, so a lot of guys that are now here, they're playing for the national team. I mean, they're playing in the USL, even Canadian Premier League now. Guys are are getting called up, so. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a big deal for anybody that that are um, that gets um, a look in the USL or any other league overseas. It's cherished. 
That's awesome, Lance. Well, like I say, I, I know what it's like to have the daughter in the sun. I've got my door locked right now, so they can't get in here. <laughs> That's why I'm hiding in the bedroom, man. Like I say, I really enjoy you coming on. I'm glad to hear you. you in San Antonio and shaping the game here in San Antonio because you're going to do a lot of good things here, man. You've always been one of my favorite favorite players that I've come across. From, uh... Thank you, Lance. No problem at all. You know, take care, guys. Hope to see you guys. Oh. All right, all right, man. We'll let you go. <laughs> That's awesome. So just happy Lance decided to jump on with us. Like I say, that was always one of my goals was to just talk to him about that 18-19 season. I just think his journey is so amazing. And I'm glad to hear he's still in San Antonio because I honestly wasn't sure if he had bounced, you know, somewhere else or if he was sticking around. So it just goes to show you sometimes, I know whenever we get these players and they talk about, you know, the fans and the environment and the city, we feel like maybe they're just feeding us those same lines, but it's nice to see where, you know, someone stuck around and they truly mean the things that they're saying. So Scott, since the interview went a little bit longer and I know Danielle has to leave in about 20 minutes here, uh, I want to make sure that before we dive into the SAFC, which will probably be, longer than 18 minutes uh that if she wants to say something towards you that she gets that opportunity to have as much time as she wants to say whether it's positive or negative uh for that here <laughs> so that way we'll do the introduction but if she needs to drop off because she did mention that uh, unfortunately she does have to leave at, at the top of the hour um so two things. One is I loved that Lance had his daughter on. I think that's so important to see um, men with their children and spending time with them and just really embracing that. And especially in a soccer culture um, where there's so much that we hear about every single day, um, especially with Phoenix and San Diego Loyal facing some of those social justice issues. Um, to be able to see um, men with their children really being good role models um, is awesome. So I love seeing that. And, and, and a great example of uh, work from home, right, that we all see. Um, and I don't know what Harry's doing making me out to be this, like, <laughs> smushy, emotional person. Um, I don't like goodbyes because, number one, it's not goodbye. It's just mm -hmm. until next time, until later. Um, but I'm so glad that we got to work together. Um, I had a lot of fun doing some interviews and, and doing lots of stuff um, with you. And I love that your heart for San Antonio soccer specifically um, from youth to adults, uh, amateur to pro. Um, so it's just been awesome to see how you've embraced that and in, in soccer in San Antonio. And, and we're definitely going to have a void um, without you here because you're very, very talented. So um, that's all I got. And can we talk about SAFC now? Because I don't do this. Well, then you want to make sure I, I didn't want to hear a DM afterwards saying, hey, I should have, you know, you didn't give me the opportunity. You said, to, I told you 10 o'clock and you didn't give me the chance. So we want to make sure that we gave you the chance, just like we can now introduce Rafa and Jonathan. And then, then we can get into the SAFC. I, I just want to reply to Danielle real quick because if I don't get the opportunity to because she has to sign off, Danielle, you've always kept us honest. I think what you do for the women's game is phenomenal. Um, you've been that voice that didn't really exist coherently along with maybe some of you know what we were promoting or just what in general was being promoted uh, with the men's game. So I just hope you keep that enthusiasm and 
you've inspired me to go get my referee certificate once I get out to uh, Wichita Falls and I'm going to see if I can't go out and ref some games. So just keep it up. And I hope maybe one day you get into coaching because I think you have a lot of insight and, and, and intelligence around the game. Thank you very much. Enough mushy stuff. Rafa still has Rafa, we still have forty-five minutes into the show, and we haven't introduced Rafa yet. So, Rafa, how are you, man? Look at the beard; it's still growing. Yeah, this has been busy working, doing my college stuff, the recruiting, the craziness, doing virtual presentations. I'm already like. All right, I'm here. I'm ready to hit the road. I, was, I want to make my points on the hotels and stuff. So, <laughs> so but it, it's been like I said, it's good. Like I said, hopefully, like at the downtime, I get to do some other other little things here and there, and so forth. But I'm I'm ready. I'm getting ready for you know for the high school season coming up. I know it's coming soon, and we'll see how that's gonna happen. How like I said, I'm gonna start talking to a couple coaches to see how they feel about what's gonna happen or what's are they just going to play district games or are there going to be tournaments and stuff like that? So hopefully soon I'll get some you know, feedback from those coaches. I know private school is going to come up. I know Central Catholic is coming up pretty soon. So they'll be out. we'll see how they do without Gallegos, see if they can do the four-peat the five-peat or, or whatever. Yeah, the five-peat, see if they can do that. So like I said, I'm looking forward for, the, for you know, what's coming up soon. And then we couldn't do a SAFC recap show without having, you know, uh, Jonathan check on uh, who does a lot with the pregames, both in writing and uh, was, uh, you know, a guest on, on the pregame show quite a bit here. So welcome, Jonathan. Thank you for your patience on, on joining here. Uh, how have you been uh, since we've last spoke? Uh, first of all, no problem on the delay um, after it was for those People watching, uh, I was at least getting to listen to everything with Lance, and man, that that was a really interesting and insightful interview. Uh, some big shoes to fill. Unfortunately, I, I don't think I'll have any entertainment about you know kids wandering in and out of the picture and vying for my attention. But uh, your mom and dad can't come in. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure if they want to, they can come in and say something embarrassing. I feel like um, they shot at me from Danielle because I said I locked the door so that my kids couldn't come in. So I, I kind of like I feel offended a little dude, bit. Dude, my kids are in bed. Well, I hope they're in bed anyway. Yeah, right. That's what you think. Must be nice. Um, but no, I, I've been all right been kind of decompressing and relaxing since the season's, you know, the SAFC season at least is over. So uh, over earlier than most would have expected than maybe we would have thought a few months ago, but uh, yep. So let's get into that. Uh, the last, what, four games, probably from El Paso forward, they, they finished, you know, two wins, two losses on the season. Um, I think most people forget that they won two games. Um, you know, because if, you know, the, the mood on, on how the season ended, you know, outside of the New Mexico game and, and the shenanigans in it, um, it felt it felt like the season ended on a slump um, before that here. So thoughts on how SAFC ended. We'll start with you, Danielle, and, and then we'll transition to the playoff game um, after after the uh, after the season. So we're talking regular season, right? We're not talking postseason. Yeah, softball group, I guess, is what everybody's calling that we were in. 
I think the hardest part is as a player, when you mentally go into playing the same team multiple times, especially a team that you've beaten at least once or twice, th there's a mental side to it that it's like, okay. And I really think we started to see SAFC sort of play down a little bit to some of their levels because, hey, we've played RGV and beat them. We've played Austin. We've played um, Tulsa. And so I, I don't really think we got the best out of them where if you have to come in hot and fresh for every game, I think it would have been different. And so I think I, I don't think it was the easy group because I think every group had an easy team. I mean, some of our lower teams beat you know, Colorado that Colorado beat like someone else in the group. So um, I really think that's just, it, it's a hard thing to say. And the fact that everyone, you know, in the playoffs was kind of one-on-one games over times, you know, it, it showed that it was, it was competitive. I just think playing the same teams four times doesn't, didn't help us at all, at all. You, Jonathan, what's your, what were your, what was your thoughts on how the season uh, ended for us AFC? It's it's weird how new coach obviously this year uh, with Marcina, but same same kind of trend with SAFC where <laughs> they regardless of how they start the season, whether it's really good like 2017 and 2020, or eh, they're okay and they might be you know in the playoff picture at least, they always seem to fizzle out toward the end. They're, there's always just this sort of drop off, and maybe you know it's it's interesting. Obviously, before this, you guys had Lance Lang on, um, and he's one of those guys who came in halfway through the season and really gave SAFC a spark. And Omar Gordon, Frank Tayu, a lot of these Frank players Lopez. have done that. Mm -hmm. Exactly, Frank Lopez last year. Um, and I wonder, I don't know if it's sort of the fact that this was a weird year or just that it's not Marcina's thing, but they didn't really have that kind of spark. I wonder if, you know, bringing in a, a real game changer to like all those aforementioned guys, I wonder if that might've helped, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird how every year they just, it, regardless of where they start, they fizzle out and things kind of fall out of place. Do you think Peruza was supposed to be that player I mean, he uh, kind of gave us a couple goals, and and he had lots of potential, but that's that's true. It was kind of him. I think maybe the issue is they had him for what maybe a month. That was um, late, that and it was, was such late. a short season that he didn't really have an opportunity to. You know, if, if this were a regular season and he had had you know two or three months, then he might have really helped SAFC. Uh, with some momentum going into the postseason, but maybe he just didn't have enough time. Um, but well, he did play a quarter of the year. He played four games. Four, four games. That, that, yeah. that was a quarter of the year. I know we laughed. It was a quarter of the year. He gave a little spark to the team, but not too, not so much like Lance did. But yeah, if I you mean, notice, he came in. Soldiak wasn't being double teamed anymore. You know, yeah, that's true. Somehow we're focused on Soniac, but I think having him kind of allows Sony to get those quick, those quick, those quick goals because they're you say, well, pick your poison who you want, you know. And then they also have Pirano up front, so you left one, you know, you try to double team one, you left the two other open. I think, he part, but I think had we got him maybe 10 games left, I, th I think it would have been a bit, a little bit different, but. I think we took our foot off the gas 
towards the end. Yeah, and that's all I was going to say is to, to, John, to Jonathan's point, though, yeah. it was such a short season that yeah. he, he might have been that spark, Daniel. I think that's a great example. But, you know, typically when we signed him, like I think Lance had 10 games that he played that first season, you know, to play three or four, that's a little bit, you know, more abbreviated. And just kind of my overall thoughts on this year, um, we have to remember what our thoughts were of Marcina at the beginning of the year before all this happened, because it has been such an odd year in terms of conditioning preparation. They had a break in training. And so when they first faced off against real monarchs and we beat, you know, the defending champions and we saw that offense and, you know, how kind of high powered it was. And it looked like a different team just in, in the way that they played. And then everything from there, you know, just, 2020 or whatever but so I think it's tough to really judge Marcina on this season um it's nice to hear what Lance had to say about him in terms of he knows the players that he wants to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in his work ethic and I think those were things that between him and bringing on Sean Arders those were things we touched on earlier in the year before COVID and, and this just to me it's hard to Danielle's point um, I know our division wasn't the easiest. There were other easy divisions out there. But if you're not playing against somebody that's better than you, you're not getting better. It's like what we hear, Rafa, for the preseason high school tournaments, right? So if we're playing RGV five times a year, to Lance's point, you know, we're not really getting better to play outside of our division. So there were other divisions that were similar where you had two teams and then a 16-point spread but I was kind of looking at that and there were a lot of divisions that were a lot closer. There were some other divisions where it was similar, but ours was definitely one of those where I think we had a, a pretty big spread between us, the next team, and then even third and fourth. And I think it's unfortunate because usually RGV has a good strong showing. They're competitive, at least when they come to play SAFC. And, yep. and we didn't see that this season. And I think, I think everyone was, was poor for that. Totally agree. And you're just saying that because you're Copa Tejas. You don't want to lose viewers. <laughs> I'm just I'm No, uh, if you listen to Down in the Valley with, with Edson, it was it was a horrible season. And and there, there was no way to sugarcoat the performance of RGV, uh, which, you know, unhappy for him that he had to cover him and, and he did a great job all year. But as an SAFC fan, I loved it. Uh, for that. <laughs> but to Daniel's so, point, they usually do show up pretty well against us, right? Like overall. So my thoughts, and this is going to kind of go with sitting next to Rafa and, and you, you know, during the season or with the chats that we had. I don't think Marcina figured out a way to play Jose Gallegos and Pirano right on the pitch. And I think towards the end season in the end of season when he tried to force it when it was uh when it was go time, I think the biggest disconnect, and I hate to say it, and it surprisingly was the midfield. You know, the back was pretty good. The goal goaltenders was good between St. Clair and Cardoni. The forwards, you don't you you really don't really have any complaints between the four you know four of them, you know, that were up top. You know, you, you can nitpick a little bit, but I think overall but the midfield and, you know, with the injuries, you know, you know, with Haravel and uh, Pirano, Gallegos, it just never had that connection, you know, you know, when it, when it mattered the most at the end of the season. And 
Um, I think we saw in, in, against New Mexico, you know, I, I think that's why we're not advancing is we didn't have that connection to connect from the back to the front. And uh, unfortunately, you know, we ended up paying for it, you know, due to, you know, due, you know, due to a arm ball, uh, but that's uh, how the games play. So question on Pirano, because I really don't feel like we saw the best in Pirano this season that we saw last year. Nope. And I was kind of reflecting on it, and I feel like last season, Pirano played in that striker role a lot versus playing the supporting role, because when he's playing that supporting role, he almost has to dribble through six people, or when he's up top, he beats one player and he's got a goal. So do you also think that he just didn't utilize him correctly? Um, because I feel like he was meant for a different offense with him as the target player versus a Solignac, a Pruzza, a Dorenzo. Rafa, you want to take that one? Uh, Rafa dropped off, it looks like. Oh, gotcha. What do you think, Jonathan? Uh, I... I tend to think that Pirano, uh, I mean, we were talking about Gallegos and Pirano. I tend to think their best place is sort of supporting those strikers, um, you know, maybe hopefully drawing some of those defenders out to give guys like Sulignac, uh, Bailone, Dorenzo, um, and, and anyone else kind of advancing to give them more space to work with. Um, but it it is definitely... I think hopefully SAFC, I mean, we, we wouldn't expect uh, Gallegos to go anywhere this off season, but we know, or it's reported at least that Pirano is out. So I wonder, uh, hopefully that gives Gallegos more room to really express himself because when he was moved into the midfield uh, next to ostensibly next to PC, um, it, it just wasn't really the right spot for him. Um, I mean, we were talking earlier with Lance. He was saying he and Billy just, they, they play too similarly. They can't really coexist in a team. Uh, I think it might have been the same with Pirano and Gallegos. Um, and you would see week after week, Gallegos would be, again, in midfield, allegedly. But if you look at the average positions, he was getting up there in attack right there with Solignac, Pirano, all those guys. Um, before he came in, interestingly, we, we mentioned how Herva was, y'all said injured. He was never officially listed as injured. So they didn't, I, they didn't list injuries though. That's the thing this year. If they they back, did. They did. They didn't do injury reports, but in the match notes, it would always have, oh, okay. uh, yeah. And so Herva, the only thing he was out for this season was a suspension in the first match. He was never listed as injured. And I don't know why they wouldn't. You know, if you're going to list all these others, why wouldn't you list his? Um, but he was actually, even at the end of the season, still had SAFC's best passing accuracy of 90.4. Um, and in the, I think it was seven matches, I don't know if that includes New Mexico or not, but seven matches after he was gone, SAFC had three wins and four losses. And two of those wins were 3-2. They weren't very convincing anymore. Um, and this was, we, we might kind of get into this in a moment, but the defense is really where SAFC dropped the ball in the second half of the season. And I wonder how much of that was not being as secure in midfield. Jonathan, you just rocked my world because Herbo <laughs> by far, I thought secured up that defensive midfield position. And I thought that was 
uh, one, one of the reasons um, I think things changed, I agree with you, but I am just having, I'm having a moment here. So anyone who's watching, I'm really having a moment because I believed and I preached it from the rooftop. No, he's injured. I saw him up in the booth. He didn't dress. He's injured. Um, but I agree with you. I think he was, he was a vital um, to the start. I mean, in just his passing, he had such good field vision. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to have this moment by myself. Yeah. Go ahead, Scott. But, but not having yeah, him also, like I said, like mentioned, like Jonathan mentioned, Gallegos being in opposition, you, you, you sacrifice PC's attack by putting him at the defense mid, which was – that's not his spot, you know. And so we had two attacking mids on, on a 3-4-3. Three, three. That's not, that's not going to cut it. And I think we're – should have done if you want to put Pirano and Gaius in the same time, change the formation, go to a 4 4 2, you know, put them at their strengths and maybe out on the wing and so forth. And then they're kind of tall around and you know, in the, in the, in the center red. Maybe we could have done, you know, bring in some, another defensive holding mid. I think that's what they should have done. You know, if he knew he was out for the, for the rest of the season, we'll find somebody that's going to do the same job. Uh, but the one, one, the one player that I did get impressed on the last that last game in the playoff was um. <laughs> I think we lost Rafi. He froze. Pause. Pause. That's the dramatic pause. <laughs> what a cliffhanger! <laughs> I know you had something. Yeah, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I, I was just going to add um, kind of to Harry's point. You know, if you go back and you look at – we did score a lot of goals. I mean, we, we averaged almost two goals a game. And, you know, to your point, Danielle, about the defense and everything, and, and Harry, I think you mentioned it too, and Jonathan uh, playing pretty well. I think we only conceded less than one goals a game. So, technically, we should have won every game that we played. But when you look at the fact that we scored 25 goals inside the box and only five outside the box, I think that right there is what speaks to the fact that your midfield wasn't really that strong in the buildup of attack, that most of what you were doing was just deliberate balls into the box and that we still couldn't score, which has always been the Achilles heel for San Antonio from outside the box. We don't have a true shooter. Rafa, you're a mystery player. Uh, the who we get the, the last defender we got Boyle, I I think they should have brought him in a lot sooner. You know, unless he you know he actually did impress me in that very last game mm -hmm. for being the first game he started. You know, he was impressive. I know he kind of ran out of gas because like I said that was the first game, but the defense played a lot better, especially the, the two guys that we had from alone, Montgomery and. Uh, the other guy from from Columbus, you know, he was a good fit, you know, to replace those two players. But should have gone him a lot sooner. But like I said, yeah, not having Haribu really that changed know, the season. It really did. That changed the season, and I think they should have done something to bring in a, a player similar to him. That way, it didn't ruin the chemistry from our our attack. You know, and, and hopefully, maybe they learn they learn something from this for for the next season or. If you don't have the players, you know you got to change up the formation. And I think we did kind of did see that on one of the game, last games they would try to do like a four four two, that didn't work, so they went back to a three four three. So I think it's like what Lance says as well: positioning, putting the right 
players at the right right, right spots. So let's turn to the New Mexico game. Um, it was a frustrating game. It was the first – it was probably the first game that as soon as the whistle blew, I just walked out of the stadium. I didn't say goodbye to Rafa as I was standing next to him all game. I just walked out. And I didn't say anything until I got in the car, and then I said some things that I can't say – well, I can say, but I prefer not to say right now. <laughs> And I got home, and Monica was like, uh, "You're upset, aren't you?" Yes, and she just went upstairs. So, um, and you know, it was just it, it 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 that match left me so frustrated. And some of it was the missed handball, some of it was New Mexico, and some of it was San Antonio FC. I don't think as an SAFC fan you can say they deserve to win to win the game outright but I don't think that they deserve to lose the game outright. And I think going to PKs would have been the fair result for that game. Um, just because of, of, in my opinion on how the game went, I think it was a pretty even game. New Mexico is a very solid team. Uh, you know, they played every game on the road. So you knew they were going to be a tough out because this, you know, they, they, you know, all year they played on the road in, in El Paso, Real Monarchs. They went to Phoenix so they were tested on the road. So this wasn't something that they weren't used to. And to me, it was just, you know, it, it was it was a missed opportunity game. And, and like I said, I'm sure both teams afterwards, you'll know, say, hey, we had opportunities. I know they had opportunities to score. We had opportunities to score. Um, but how they scored on the handball, um, it still baffles me that, you know, you know, the four the four refs on the field did not see it or call it or you know along those lines when it was in my opinion a clear clear and obvious attempt uh for that here but uh um you know despite the result that you know you know and i'm sure we'll get this in into you know maybe you know future episodes i, I thought the season was overall but how the season ended left a, a very sour taste you know in, in my mouth here and uh, we'll go with you, Daniel, uh, for that here. Oh, so many emotions, so many emotions. Um, I can't even express um, the roller coaster. Um, so I enjoyed it. I was behind the goal with the supporter section, and I was dressed eating kettle corn, which is my vice at SAFC matches um, the whole time. And so it was just such a it was such a good game and so exciting to be back in playoffs um, for the second time. And um, it's something that we have, as fans have been waiting for. And so I just love that there was so, it was so passionate and people were cheering and there was just a moment, I think towards the end of the second half where I think what New Mexico did was they really eliminated the fans. So by possessing the ball, playing it around, moving it side to side and just being patient, they really took the fans out of it. And that's, and that's a strategic part of soccer is getting the crowd into it, getting the, the fans behind the game and behind the team gives that the fans that little bit of emotion, but they did a great job of being strategic and taking us out, out of it and neutralizing it because there just wasn't anything to cheer about one way or the other, because 
they just did a lot of possession. And so um, there was a moment where everyone was just banging um, in unison on the metal, and that was just like one of those shiver moments. So well, soccer, the game on the field, also what's going on in the bleachers and just being with family, our soccer family that we've been with for um, you know, five, six seasons now, five seasons. Oh, I think I'm, I'm off, but, um, and then that was just such an awesome moment to see everyone kind of come together. Um, I, we can talk about refing and maybe on, a, on another show, we'll talk about how I think VAR needs to be implemented in the, in the playoffs, because I really think it's unfair that two teams advanced um, and I really just hate Phoenix. And so I just don't want to see them win. And God, El Paso. Oh. So um, I really think that's, that's for a whole other episode. Um, you win by putting balls in the back of the net. Regardless of the ref, we had opportunities. We had, we had wide open shots. We had headers that went over the goal. Um, it kind of felt like SAFC 2019. Um, or early in the season where we're taking tons of shots and they're just going over. Um, so ultimately we, we didn't convert, we didn't convert those chances. And so, um, that, that's how you win games. Jonathan, everybody, I say real quick, Harry, I'm sorry. I love how, when you mentioned the handball, everybody looks at like Danielle's box just to see how like she's going to react <laughs> to what they're saying. Our referee here. I was drinking soda. Popcorn, and I was just like, and we were taunting. Um, I don't know his name, Cody Mizell. We called him Massengill the whole time, the second half when he came. So that's all I remember is we were probably taunting him and saying some not good things that I can't um, repeat (laughs) for our family audience. Well, you can, um, but you don't want to. <laughs> kind of like Harry's. Yes, words. but um, yeah. Some things are better left unsaid, Scott. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> you have to experience it. If you want to know what we say, then you got to come and sit in the supporter section. But, that's it. Um, and that was fun. And I will say I loved being back there. Yes. Because it's a whole different thing than being in the corner. Like, I loved taunting the other team and the players. And um, and that was fun. It reminded me of, like, being in high school and in college and, and just getting into it. So, um, and having the bar right there um, for when I do drink is also a nice benefit. So um, I wonder I wonder if that's like a change they might make next season to have the supporter section there in the bunker. That would make more sense almost. I've heard it is. Uh, okay. I've, heard, I've heard that that is uh, the plan. I don't think it's official or anything as of yet, but uh, it would not shock me here. Jonathan, your thoughts on the playoff match with uh, New Mexico? Any uh, wonderful uh, nuggets that will make us very unhappy? <laughs> well, um, you, you guys talked about how it's it's not like New Mexico necessarily deserved to win, but SAFC certainly didn't do right. enough to win. They were very wasteful. Uh the official numbers are 17 shots, two on target. Yeah. 17, and you can only put two on target. And I think New Mexico did a really good job of getting back and disrupting that SAFC offense, not giving them an opportunity to really put chances together and just really stifled them. Um, so when, when you're wasteful with your chances and the other team's doing a good job of that, um, it can go either way, and sometimes it does swing on a 
rather blatant handball that the referees miss, but that's that's the game. Sometimes it happens, and I think what you have to do is don't allow the game to be don't leave it in a place where it can change on just that one mistake. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it as far as what I have to say. Um, let me make sure there were no really juicy stats here that stood out. Um, <laughs> Our juicy I mean, stats guy. Yeah. I, love it. I, I mean, there, there were just kind of some general trends in terms of, uh, lower passing accuracy and possession. Um, but those were going on toward the end of the regular season as well. So, well, and that's why I think it's interesting that you bring up that 17 and two, because like I say, when I go back and look at the goals scored inside the box versus outside the box, if you know, 90% of your goals, you're having to score inside the 18, what are you shooting like from outside the box? You know, what's that shooting accuracy look like? And, you know, no offense to Omar Gordon, but that was always kind of the complaint with him was we're not kicking field goals. We're, we're trying to score soccer goals, you know? Yeah, it, it would be nice to to have that, uh, you know, diversity of chances. But I, I don't actually, not to call you out, but I don't think that's that big of an issue. A lot of teams are very, their, their goal scoring is mostly in the box. Um, and... I, I do recall at least a few goals outside that SAFC scored. Like they've got that capability. It's yeah. just you you want to get closer into the goal because that's less distance that you've got to hit it, less distance for the goalkeeper to react. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's that big of an issue. Rafa, your thoughts on the playoffs, and then we'll do final thoughts and uh, get Danielle, Scott, and me because i got to get up early as well. Uh, off. <laughs> I, I was going to ask Jonathan. It's like, as far as possession of the ball, did we lose possession? As far as possession of that game? Uh oh yeah, it was. Let's see. Let me make sure that's the possession stat. Yes, forty one. Yeah, forty one point eight. Okay, because I, I think I think that I, I think mentioned that to Harry a while I think a week weeks ago that we were losing the ball a lot more, and we were starting to play more of that. Long ball, which I, we mm-hmm. didn't see that in the in the begin on our wins, we were just becoming desperate for the long ball instead of bringing it up, playing on the outside and then crossing the back end. You know, having position. I, th- I think we got away from that, and that's why you know we didn't deserve to win that game. Nor did we, like I said, we didn't you know lost either too because you know we do. Uh, if USL is watching, yeah, we do need VAR for next year. Um, I, I think. We should have been a little bit more aggressive. We looked flat in that game, like we were just going through the motions. We looked kind of a little tired. And I remember telling Harris, like, we're not we're not pressing their defense. They're, I wasn't impressed by New Mexico's defense. Mm-hmm. They were making mistakes. We just weren't taking advantage of it. We were or we were just shooting shots from the shooting, you know, out of the you know out of the area. So we could have done a lot better. Maybe we could have gone to should be probably be playing t- this week. Probably hosting this week, but like I said, we'll 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 see for next year what what adjustments they make. So, final thoughts here. Um, I know Jonathan, you've done the pregame show with us here uh, for that here. Uh, so, any thoughts that you have for uh, Senior Scott? <laughs> um, for for Scott, yes. Uh, or any thoughts? Uh, final thoughts in general. Well, 
first of all, I'm I'm kind of going to build off of the. Uh, I just lost my train of thought. Um, it, it was something Rafa was saying. Uh, let me see if I can find it in my notes here. Something he'll that'll jog my memory. Um, I, I think it was basically. Oh, oh, I know what it was. Um, so we were talking about how SAFC could be playing this weekend. Something interesting that stood out for me: uh, the USL stats page currently is a mix. It, it says on the page it's a mix of regular season and postseason. Um, SAFC ended the season even with their their very poor defending toward the end, where they were allowing you know two goals in a number of games. SAFC still ended the season tied fourth with 15 goals against. Tampa Bay tied second with 14. Mm -hmm. That is the difference between, you know, if, if we saw the SAFC that started the season, if they were able to continue, particularly with that good defending, if they continued that throughout the season, they would almost certainly be playing in in the oh. final this week. Or not almost certainly, but they'd have a way better chance. But, you know, Tampa Bay continued that good defending obviously if they've played you know more games than most teams and are still <clears throat> tied second in the league you know that's the difference between making the playoffs and winning the championship um but yeah so for for the season in general though um i think it's recency bias is can be uh detrimental you know, let's not forget they did start the season well, and they were really promising. Um, it's it's just things fell apart at the end of the season, particularly on the defensive side. But if SAFC can figure out how to keep the wheels turning, how to uh, you know not fall victim to allowing silly goals and not possessing the ball well and uh, linking up in passes. If they can continue and have a consistent season, who knows how far they can go. Um, and as for ideas with Scott, I mean, we've we've interacted over the last few years, uh, both been with multiple outlets um, at multiple different stadia and events covering different teams. Um, I guess just it's it's been a real pleasure to to have you know you as a familiar face and you're always so passionate about whatever you're covering whether it's safc athenians uh the the high school game um so thank you for all the work you've done for this san antonio soccer community really and, and jonathan you've i mean done so much more than me and you bring so much knowledge and insight to the game and i, I just hope that you continue to be a part of this and i hope that harry you know extends these invitations to you because you bring so much to the table not only in your writing that you do but also in what we've done with the pregame show and just your knowledge and, and everything else just to fact check and that's one thing that we've always wanted to be is a credible source. And you're one of the most credible sources I know when it comes to covering San Antonio FC or, or just the game in general. So keep it up, man. Thanks. Rafa, your final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, like I said, looking forward to hopefully like do for next season. But like I said, I don't know. I'm going to miss Scott going out there in the cold at <laughs> Ferris or at at Northeast and, and scaring the team on from Lee when I started picking their team apart. 
She's like, hope you don't, hope you don't coach Churchill or Reagan next year. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm gonna miss him. I mean, like I said, we've known each other since we were with Mission City, and like I said, hopefully, hopefully I'll make it. Hopefully, I get a chance or a road trip up there to Wichita Falls. Maybe catch a high school game up there. I heard Ryder's a good team, and so, but looking for, like I said, good luck to you. Then maybe, maybe he'll get another promotion, come back down here. So you never know. <laughs> Hey, speaking of, man, that's that yeah. picture right there. I know you can't really see it in the cold, but, yeah, me and Rafa, first high school game this season, all bundled up like Eskimos. That's probably uh, – we'll be right We'll be right there right outside right now, and that's how we're all probably over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Harry, I just want to tell you thank you, man. You've been a part of this journey with me from day one. Um, you know, I, I was telling you before the show, I, I go back still and listen to that first podcast that we made. and yeah, in um, your living room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it just kind of, you know, I think about that moment and where all this started and everything and the people I've had the the pleasure of meeting and, and all that stuff and learning about the different organizations like Ian's Cup and, and just some of the different foundations that are out there, you know, and it's just been a true blessing to get to work with you guys. And, and like I say, I, I really appreciate y'all buying in. And I, I know Jose and Todd aren't here, but there was a period of time where they really helped keep things going as well. So I just want to acknowledge that and to Rafa and Danielle stepping up, you know, you guys are just as much a part of this squad now. And Jonathan, like I say, I hope you continue to uh, engage in this format because you're a boss at it, dude. Yeah. Between you and Royce and, and Rafa at the pregame show, um, you know, we'll have Danielle for here. Um, I know for me, like said here, it's, uh, kind of bittersweet because me and Scott started this and it was more, hey, let's just get something on the ground. So um, I think we do something really good where it's, you know, a independent view of, you know, SAFC. Um, but, you know, with the UPSL, with, you know, National Soccer League, that's going to be coming into play. Yeah. Um, I know you and Rafa do a lot with the high schools. Um, and I know it's Goodbye probably for on screen for a lot, but, you know, I do believe that once you get settled in up north, uh, that behind the scenes uh, that you and Rafa will hopefully uh, still continue to push the high school uh, portion because, in my opinion, I think that's your biggest passion, Um, you know, especially when we sat down in the living room is is that you wanted to give a voice um, to the high school game that, you know, here in Texas, it's all about high school football. Um, and basketball, you know, it would be second and soccer is a huge and growing sport, you know, in Texas where there's a lot of great athletes, uh, both men, you know, men and women uh, or boys and girls, I guess, uh, you know, uh, you know, at the high school age. So um, I'm hoping you and Rafa, you know, you know, at least continue behind the scenes of, of doing it here. Um, I know for me, my passion's more the lower league. So I'm going to try to, you know, delve into a little bit more. Uh, with you know with the UPSL shows especially since I'm doing more of the production side so I think as far as for SAFs you know the uh, SA soccer roundtable um, it might be a blessing in disguise uh, you know for here you know Scott's going to be better in you know his family situation and his career um, but I think for you know the the site itself um, I think with the new format with you know once Scott gets settled up up top that. Um, he may not be on camera, but, uh, you know, hopefully behind the scenes, he'll still be an active role uh, going forward here. And, and just on a personal note, uh, like I said here, Scott, you, you've been a true friend. And uh, like I said here, you know, I'm assuming you know, when we're going up to Oklahoma City for, you know, for the annual energy games, 
uh, we will make the trek over to Wichita Falls or say, hey, meet us in, you know, Denton or whatever. <laughs> somewhere on 35. Hey, meet us somewhere on 35. Grab a burger, restroom break, and say I'll hi. Be there. And say hi. I'll be there. Uh, you know, for that here. But uh, it was a pleasure, and, and thanks for getting this started. And, and I know you did a lot of legwork behind the scenes. And um, I know me kind of catching up. After you know, after you said, "Hey, I'm stepping down and, and trying to find something that works for me," was an eye-opening experience. So, but I think going forward, I think we've got a good system to where You've done I think great. both of us can, you know, can still kind of interact and mix. And, and like I said here, you may not be on every week, but you know, like I said, hopefully, especially during high high school season, um, we can still, you know, as I mentioned, every voice can be heard. And I really want to still keep the uh, the high school voice uh, of SA Soccer because I, I do believe that is a a uh, huge part of the round table's history. Um, and, and it's something that I do want to keep going for with, with both you and Rafa and uh, Jonathan and Royce, uh, the pregame show, uh, like I said here, we'll, we'll pick that up obviously next spring, Danielle and Todd and uh, uh, Jose, uh, like I said here, um, anytime you guys want to be on, obviously you're always welcome. Danielle, you're always welcome because you're part of the weekly show. I didn't mean to be in with there before I was like, that didn't come out right. She's like, Hey, what happened? <laughs> I got to get an invite. Wait, what? <laughs> so, but so no, like I said here, but it was a pleasure. So I'm going to let Scott wrap it up one last time and then we're going to get out of here. Um, I will get this uploaded either later on tonight or tomorrow uh, for a podcast version. And uh, like I said, I think Scott might uh, tee some stuff up and, uh, you know, put some, you know, super clips out there, especially with the Lance Lang interview, which uh, oh, that RGB was eye-opening. Well, we'll, we'll, there was that a RGB points in there. It's going to be on Twitter tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. Well, guys, this has been another episode of the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. What's life without goals? We out.